Hi, I'm Eric, also known as v 47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape Podcast. You're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. It's morphin' time! Wallop and web snappers! My spider sense is tingling. 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 Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? I'm gonna be honest, I'm still thinking about that grilled cheese from last week. Oh, man, you could have been like, ah, woo. <laughs> I thought about it, but I felt like I wouldn't be able to do wolf noises justice. And I am thinking about grilled cheese, so. That's you fair. Know. That's fair. That's <laughs> fair. To listen to this show, find us on 4 or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. And before we get into this week's episode, we did have some word snappers last week. So, snap, snap. Uh huh. Snap, snap, snap. <laughs> oh, okay, that was weird. That's not a thing that's going to be a thing. Sorry, everyone. I'll never do that again. <laughs> uh, I, think it, I think it worked. I, I think I'm the one that ruined that just then. It's a team effort. If you have no idea what we're talking about, <laughs> uh, Wild Thing Word Snappers is a game that we play with our patrons. So if you're a patron of any level, you can submit some words uh, or a phrase, five words or less, that we have to work into an episode that we record that month. And uh, usually they are pretty random. In this case, the four words that we were asked to say was chicky chicky nug nugs. <laughs> and it was submitted by our patron, Katie. Thank you, Katie. Thank you for that. <laughs> Gotta love an improv game that makes us talk about food. Yeah, honestly, the amount of times that I feel like we're thinking about food or bringing up food probably was uh, was a easier one than uh, <laughs> we thought it was. <laughs> so true. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So if that little mini conversation we had at the top of the episode didn't tip you off, we're talking about an episode that has a werewolf in it. Werewolf. Yeah, we're talking about werewolves. I'm uh. Kind of werewolves. Yeah, they're basically, it's basically a werewolf. It's a man wolf. <laughs> I feel like we, I feel like for ease of conversation, we must use the term werewolf, though technically they explain it in a different way. <laughs> but for all intents and purposes and operationally, it is pretty much a werewolf. Yeah, it's like a sci-fi werewolf. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like their explanation. It's, it's, literally, it's literally a werewolf. They just have like a pseudo-scientific explanation for it. It's like what the 90s show did for Blade. Like, he's a vampire, but he's a science vampire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's a medical vampire. Well, this is a medical werewolf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. I like it. I uh, I like werewolves. This is fun. <laughs> this is uh, Spider-Man Unlimited, Season 1, Episode 8, entitled Ill Met by Moonlight. Love that title. That's a great yeah. title. All the titles in the show have been pretty decent because they're all a little bit, like, esoteric, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like, I like any uh, Shakespeare reference, too. <laughs> the synopsis for IMDb for this one is that John Jameson turns into a man-wolf. Okay, we're just getting right to it, huh? Half man, half wolf. If you weren't sure what man-wolf might mean. <laughs> <laughs> what is it with, like, Marvel and just, like, 
flipping well not even marvel does it dc does it too what is with comics uh-huh. and just like flipping the man thing it's like man wolf man thing man spider man bat it is <laughs> it's funny because it's entirely reliant on our knowledge and understanding of superhero nomenclature which is to call something a insert blank here man insert blank here woman mm-hmm. and like flip like this it wouldn't make any sense or mean anything if we didn't already have that knowledge yeah. Because it means something to put man or woman first, right? It means there's berserker tendencies or rampaging or lack of control. Like, it all means the same thing. And it's just, it's almost like, uh, I don't know, it's like a flipping of something that, that we already know. Otherwise, it would it would not work at yeah. all. Yeah. So he's a man wolf. Uh, we know what that means. And also, Spider-Man has to break into the High Evolutionary's tower to find a cure for John. Excuse me? Really, it's all, it all what that happens. In that literally episode. never happens. Never happens. Well, he doesn't do that, but he does go <laughs> to a place where he confronts an electric eel that is Counter Earth's version of Electro, who is guarding the Evolutionary's tower, which I thought was a power plant. I don't think it's a high evolution. I mean, it's, it is his tower, but it's not like his. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I guess you could call it his tower, but they could have just said it was like a power plant. Whatever. It doesn't matter. If, okay. Hmm. <laughs> I have many issues with that that synopsis. <laughs> I don't think the person who wrote this had seen the episode in like 10 years and was just like, I think this is the one where that happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very much of what happens in that synopsis does not happen in the episode we're about to discuss. This is why we just kind of plug them in pretty much blindly because <laughs> uh, sometimes they're normal and fine and sometimes Aye. they're like this where they're just either wrong or just baffling. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> yep. Anyway, the original air date for this episode was February 17th, 2001. It was written by Larry Brody and Robert Gregory Brown, which uh, if you recognize those names, it's because they wrote the previous episode. So see oh. last week's episode to hear about them. Well, imagine that because both of our major characters are voiced by people we've already talked about as well. One of oh, which well. we also talked about last week. So Manwolf, who, as we learn from the synopsis, is John Jameson, is not voiced by the same person who voices John Jameson. Manwolf is, in fact, voiced by Scott McNeil, who we praised for being able to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> One more example of that, uh, because he voiced Vulture in the episode we talked about last week, and this is very different than that. So, yeah, good job, Scott McNeil. You are quite a talent. <laughs> I love his. I love his voice uh, as Manwolf. I like how he. I like uh-huh. his performance as Manwolf. There's like all these funny little like mini growl bark things that he does. Yeah. Like in, yeah, like, no, uh, he's incredible. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't just do like a generic growl all the time. It's like rah 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 rah. He does a lot of that stuff, um, but it always works. Like it never. It I mean it doesn't sound as cheesy as what I just did, but like it always works. <laughs> it's like it's actually kind of a as unique as you could get for like a werewolf thing, which they're all going to kind of sound the same roughly. But like I feel like it's a it's a pretty unique one. Like going as different as you can with what he yeah. does. Well, and now you know why I didn't want to attempt to do werewolf noises i wouldn't have been able to do them justice ah no man you gotta have uh just have no shame like i do i make all kinds (laughs) of noises that don't make sense and don't work and don't do anything justice (laughs) i'll have my own little blooper reel at the end where i just make wolf noises it'll be beautiful it's fine you you can feel free to put me trying to to imitate how Marsha Brady says werewolf at the end of this episode because she says it in a funny she says school like she says skewl instead of school I can't remember how she says she says like werewolves or verwolves or something like that but I have to look at the video again anyway go ahead that's not you didn't even if you're listening to this episode you didn't hear that bit that I did earlier so it's completely irrelevant anyway so 
Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> <sighs> Off to a great start. Well, the other character introduced in this is mentioned in the synopsis, Electro, who is also voiced by somebody we've discussed before. And I definitely oversold the return of this voice actor based on the actual Electro we get in this episode uh, because Electro is voiced by Dale Wilson, who we talked about when we talked about X-51 in the episode Steel Cold Heart. I thought for reasons uh, that I suppose maybe we'll get into, I thought Electro was going to play a bigger role based on the other character introduced. I thought there was going to be a bit more of an interplay in Electro and John Jameson. So that's what I was anticipating, but I mm. was wrong. <laughs> yeah, I do like he has a cool performance of uh, Electro, though, because I would have not I did not guess that that was uh, Dale Wilson. Uh, not going to lie. I like this Electro more than most other versions of Electro I've seen. Uh-huh. It's interesting. And Electro frequently is not. <laughs> I mean, he's definitely he gets I, I he literally doesn't show up until there's like about five and a half minutes left of the episode. Yeah. Spoiler alert. But I think he's still more interesting than like the entire episode of The Hunter. Uh-huh. Yes, absolutely. And this Electro has like a clear motivation yeah. uh, that is easy to identify and track. It's He's great. really <laughs> weird and cool. His design is great, unlike the Vulture's design. Like, it's yeah. just, they do everything right with this character that they barely use at all in this episode. It's so I know! baffling. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's cool. The little bit of screen time that he gets is is fucking rad. Like, he's pro- yes. he might be my favorite villain in, the, like, because Goblin doesn't really count as a villain. He might be my favorite, like, villain in the show so far, honestly. It, it, it yeah. <laughs> I, I, he's up there for me. Okay, question for you. When do you want me to talk about the, the episode that I thought was going to manifest as a result of John Jameson and knowing that Electro ended up happening? Oh. Do you want it now or at the end? Because no. it really won't fit in the episode because it's what we didn't get not anything we did get nah man do it now do it now okay so I have to admit how dumb I was looking forward after we got the John Jameson truth bomb of him like stumbling into Naoko's clinic because this shit never crossed my mind like what we ended up what do you, what do you mean di- which part of it didn't cross your mind? Manwolf did not even cross Wait, my mind. Are you kidding even though he literally has a half moon tattoo brand thing on I, his arm? I cannot tell you the last time I thought about red even considered Manwolf at all. Like it just wasn't that a thing. wild to yeah. me. So like I, I because I've I I haven't read any of that. I don't I like I just it's not a character that I ever think about. It's so um, funny though because I was like hinting, <laughs> I was like making hints at previous episodes about like maybe you can guess what the what the uh, what the moon no. might mean. Or you, if no. you're familiar with comics, you probably no, I know. Gen- everything I said was not like spoiler protection. It was literally me being like, "Huh, I wonder if it's because he's an astronaut." That seems like a coincidence. No, oh it had God. nothing to do with Manwolf when this <laughs> happened, and I was like, "Wait a second, what?" And then looked up, like looked it up i was like oh fuck that's right like that's a thing that happens like that's how little this was and i it's funny because when i was watching it i was like this is gonna be so funny because this is a character that like derek could have been introduced to for literally three seconds in his life and would absolutely never forget (laughs) and i completely forgot existed at all (laughs) what i was expecting knowing that electro ended up happening and seeing that john jameson was a thing i figured we were gonna get gonna get some sort of like weird messed up horrifying 
counter earth version of like the Colonel Jupiter shit. Like I genuinely thought that was going to be a thing because I'm pretty sure. And if I'm, I could be remembering this incorrectly. I think that electricity was like a big factor in getting John Jameson back to a normal state after the Colonel Jupiter stuff happened. So I was like, Oh shit, they're going to do some like wild ass shit with like electro and Colonel Jupiter and him going berserk. And like, I don't know what weird space shit they're going to incorporate into this. Like, because we've missed like a whole six months of what's been going on. And it was just like, that was the only thing I was considering. So I was like, there's this whole weird like thing building in my mind where I was like, how are they going to do that? Like all these pieces that have nothing to do with anything started like connecting in my brain where I was like, this is weird. And that ended up being something like weird, but not weird. Cause it's like, it makes way more sense. <laughs> God, that is so yeah, no, funny. Wasn't even considering it. Cause I, 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 to be very, very honest, man wolf is a thing I only know about because I would have read about it in just like, like Wikipedia hopping and reading mm-hmm. about comics and stuff. That's literally the only time I've ever encountered any of it. And that stuff doesn't stick in my brain very much. So like, rereading it i was like oh that's right that does all sound very familiar but the colonel jupiter stuff i remember <laughs> that's so <laughs> funny. i read that because <laughs> it's the reverse for me i i knew about man wolf before i ever knew about the colonel jupiter stuff and i still to this day don't really know much about the colonel jupiter stuff i know way more well i shouldn't even say way more because i've read very little man wolf stuff i really have just more read about man wolf but i i mean Manwolf is the thing that I associate with John Jameson way more than Colonel Jupiter. So that's so funny. Well, and probably everybody. Anybody listening to this is like, how is like Doug allowed on a Spider-Man podcast if he doesn't know who Manwolf is? Because I get the impression <laughs> that like Colonel Jupiter is like a blip on John Jameson's journey. And Manwolf, I believe, is who he literally still is. Except I think he's called Star God or something. Mm. Like, it's just, it's so funny because I was... I was I was trying to figure out like how they were going to work in such a weird old retro story and to me it made sense cuz I was like the stories they're telling are things that they wouldn't put into the 90s show that they wouldn't put into a movie and doing something so early on mm-hmm. um with this character that I wasn't you know John Jameson like is not unimportant but also wasn't that important in the 90s show wasn't ever really fully super realized in any of the film stuff seemed like a safe character to do stuff with and so i was like oh all right well they're gonna they're gonna bring that forward into the 90s turn of millennium like it was just it was so funny um, (laughs) that is that is hilarious well and what's really funny too is because i wasn't thinking of that the end of the last episode I was like, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) Uh, Like genuinely was like, what is going on? Especially because the first time I watched it, I didn't watch Phil walk away. So I was like, Phil turned into a goddamn wolf. Like, what did they do to him? So I was like, it was so funny. And then I, I, you know, I watched it again and, and caught like, oh, that wasn't Phil. But yeah, it was so weird. I was just like so confused. Oh my god. Uh, I love I love this journey that you've been on. This is so this is hysterical. So weird. And I'm I'm not even kidding you. Like when when we what's hilarious about it is when we were watching that episode where they 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 drop the fact that John Jameson is like going through something where he might end up having violent outbursts. Both of us respond in a way that sounds like we're on the same page and we're yeah. on completely different pages. That is, yeah, because I really thought that you were totally just like no. vibing. I was just like, yeah, you know, 
you no. know the comics, if you know about, you know, you've seen clues about John Jameson's illness. And I'm <laughs> referencing the comics. I just wasn't, I like that's, I was thinking oh about God. the comics. I was just thinking about space virus instead of, you know, mystical moon gem. Like, <laughs> sure, sure. Oh, that's so, so funny. I mean, that makes yeah. sense. It didn't even, I mean, it didn't even occur to me that like, yeah, the Colonel Jupiter stuff is also related to space. So like, <laughs> this is all space stuff. But, you know, man wolf is a human wolf hybrid. And, I'll, yeah. and, and this is a show about a planet of, animal hybrids so like it's no, too it, perfect that, that makes it makes more sense for sure i just like i said i i <laughs> i don't think about man wolf i guess oh my god well that's a crime first of all but i well like i said this is like this is a character i could have shown you a picture of and you would have remembered for the rest of your life yeah. uh, and i would have forgotten i even showed you the picture so <laughs> yeah, it's the, that the was two part different of wavelengths the, that we're on for that stuff. So <laughs> that was part of the that was part of my like howling entertainment watching this episode and realizing what was going on because I was like, this is so dumb and obvious, especially considering like like who I podcast with. Like it's just so funny. It's so funny. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. So the alternate version of this episode is the one where he turns into Colonel Jupiter and Rampages, which is far less interesting. But that now way lame. Now I must write it. <laughs> this is I, I, you know, I joked that my fan fiction career would start as a result of Spider-Man Unlimited. Who knew it would be because of this? <laughs> Wowie zowie. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, the episode we're talking about is not that at all. <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> it's not at all. Cool. I love it though. Oh, that's so funny that I just, um, I'm so, I'm so tickled by that. Oh man. Okay. Well, (laughs) this is a real episode. Um, (laughs) the real episode starts, uh, pretty much picks right off, right up uh, where the last one left off. Um, it opens very early morning with Spider-Man searching for John Jameson. Um, after he had abruptly run off from their conversation, like at the very beginning of the last episode. So they haven't seen him since. Um, Where he was obviously running off to get his suit that keeps him from berserking when he turns into <laughs> Colonel Jupiter. Duh. Yeah. Very. So what a what a cool what a cool storyline. <laughs> Got to wear my skin tight suit so I don't get angry. That's true. There are far fewer stories about werewolves. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, hey there's so many werewolf stories because they're all fucking cool and hot as shit (laughs) so i do i do i I like that there's there's a really brief uh brief reference like they they're really trying to make very clear like how how tied into the continuity of the last one this one is because Mm -hmm. like spidey swings by a um newspaper stand that has like the the daily bite with a headline like that the uh Oh, I forget what they call it, but like beauty, beauty company factory closes or something like that. So yeah. they're, they're making very clear that this is literally like within minutes, pretty much of uh, of when the last episode ended. It's so funny that that can be a headline story, though, because I believe the way that they word it is like cosmetics company exposed. But the no, cosmetics that's right. company right. was like being owned by or operated by Sir Ram. So like, who's the fall guy there? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's life a did Sir Ram just totally ruin <laughs> it's very confusing especially you know given that sir ram just you know left to do his own thing at the end of the last mm-hmm. episode which is frustrating we've ranted about yeah. that plenty already yeah yeah very weird but you know i like the continuity here um oh, me it's, too. It's, it's good yeah but uh but spidey has been looking for him it uh it takes him to uh to near the clinic where he sees a couch crash through the front door and then, you know, he goes inside because that's weird and scary and uh, sees the wolf creature from the very end of the last episode rampaging while Naoko is taking cover. 
yes, weird stuff to see as you're just swinging about town. Uh, a couch going through the front door, a wolf man. <laughs> yeah. What's funny, though, is the couch going through the front door is, like, actually important. <laughs> That's so funny. So oh, yeah. um, the wolf creature that's throwing couches and stuff spots Naoko and attempts to throw a lamp at her. Rude. But Spider-Man intervenes. I think he just webs it away. When he, Spider-Man, aims to shoot the wolf with his spider darts, which is actually, like, pretty extreme considering what he's used them for previously, which is to, like, puncture fire extinguishers, Um, (laughs) you know, like, those are actual weapons, whatever. Naoko pushes his arm away, ensuring that he doesn't hit the wolf with any of those spider darts, which, of course, to Spider-Man is shocking. Mm -hmm. Cut to opening theme. Mm -hmm. So we have to wait a whole 60 seconds to find out why she cares. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Following that banger, we we see the wolf tackle Spider-Man through a wall, and they continue to clash outside on the street i think there's a brief bit where like shane wakes up like a long time after this rampaging has been going on yeah and is like just now waking up like hey what's going on like <laughs> why did it take you so little? like how heavy of a sleeper are you kid uh, not like, heavy because he woke up when spider-man like landed on the roof <laughs> that's true maybe after 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 he kept waking up in the middle of the night naoko just started like drugging him to go make him knocked him the f out <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like kid you just keep running off into the like into the night and just waking up whenever yeah. we just make a make a movement. Maybe you just need to calm down a little bit, buddy. <laughs> Take an Ambien. <laughs> yeah, if she's giving him Ambien or NyQuil or whatever, she could just tell him that it was all an illusion, like a weird dream that he had while he was sleepwalking. Yeah. <laughs> there was no werewolf in the living room. You were you were high. You were high on, <laughs> on NyQuil. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> So the wolf ends up spotting Naoko again and once again uh, attacks her and manages to pin her to the clinic floor. Uh, Spider-Man, obviously, confronts the the wolf and tackles him off of Naoko and holds him down. And Naoko shouts for Spider-Man to just keep him in place. She says, just a little while longer. And Spider-Man's like, what in the world is going on? Like, why does she care so much about me not hurting him? And then we get the answer because day breaks sun shines through the busted front door and the hole in the wall and hits the wolf and much to Spidey's surprise and Doug's surprise, uh, transforms back into John Jameson. <laughs> this is also funny too, because you've definitely seen a, a, a gif of this happening on, on like the, on this day gifts. Cause I think I remember you reacting to a gif of the man wolf turning into John I, Jameson. <laughs> so I've seen, I've seen like gifts from the show, but I, I typically, when this show comes up, I end up watching it like one time and being like, that looked fucking cool. And sometimes I respond to it and don't, but then I don't, I don't ever look at it again. That's fair. (laughs) Well, and you wouldn't have context for who it is at that point anyway. So that that makes sense. It's just funny. It's just like all the clues are there. (laughs) No, I know his, the werewolf's clothes are literally John's clothes. Like it's, it's right there. Although we don't see the werewolf's clothes until this episode, Yeah. but I mean, leading up to it, like if you think about it, leading up to it, the clues that exist aren't clear clues. Like they're not obvious. The fact that he has a a moon brand that is explicitly given to him by somebody who's identifiable is not really an in-universe clue to him being a werewolf. That's true. It's all like on the meta end, like if you know about man-wolf already. But if you don't, yeah, I can. this definitely is kind of a surprise. Yeah. But it is – no, you're right though. It is funny. Like I would have absolutely seen this but just wouldn't have filed it anywhere. Like I don't know where I would have filed it, you know? Yeah. 
That's so funny. Yeah, it's uh, the face crack of the century uh, in my apartment uh, last night. <laughs> Fabulous. Yeah, so, you know, we know he's John now. Spider-Man knows he's John now. So we have to get some backstory. So when John first arrived at Counter-Earth, uh, we know that he was captured by the High Evolutionary. Uh, but what we learn is that he was actually subjected to the early stages of these like bestial transformation experiments. Um, but he was rescued before the experiments were complete. So that's why John like doesn't actually stay a wolf bestial permanently. He just transforms into one, um, particularly when he's not exposed to sunlight. And uh, we find out Naoko, ever the fucking badass, Mm -hmm. created an implant that uh, tricks John's body into remaining human by, like, making it, like, not realize that he's being exposed to what they call negative ions. I don't know what that means. I don't don't know what any of that shit means, but I'm fascinated by the fact that he has a, a, a bio implant that tricks his body into thinking it's being exposed to sunlight. Which I think would wreck this man's sleep cycle. Right, wouldn't it? Like, it would fuck you up so much. But you know what? This man cannot sleep without drugs. I guarantee it. And he is so, like, on edge all the time and always looks Mm -hmm. so haggard and tired. I believe it if he barely ever sleeps ever in his life. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. I don't think that's something they were thinking about, but it works perfectly. Yeah, yeah. What I do have to say about this backstory is I appreciate it in the short term. I don't like it in the grand scheme of things because it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense if you try to like piece things together because so far what we've learned, and again, neither one of us trusts the high evolutionary's information entirely anyway, so I don't know how much this matters, but what we know so far is that 50 question mark years ago, the high evolutionary appeared and began experimenting on turning animals into anthropomorphic animals, right? Mm -hmm. They're not hybrids. We got that explicitly stated to us. They're not humans turned into animals. They are animals that have been, quote, elevated to the status of humans, right? Mm -hmm. This is weird because John arrived six months ago and suddenly the high evolutionary is experimenting on turning humans into animals and calling it bestial transformation. I guess the explanation is that he wants to eventually turn humans into bestials, But then what's the end goal there to just turn humans into bestials on a massive scale and then they forget they were ever humans and just like let them into society as adults with no memory and then assimilate them into society? Like what is is happening here? Yeah, it's confusing. (laughs) And I think like here's there's and there's two two kind of weird sides to it because like the sort of um, allegorical side and everything where we see that this whole show has been very heavily dealing with like, like class warfare and stuff is that like they probably the only reason that they keep humans like alive and like thriving as much as they are, even if they're in slums is because what something with whatever the humans are doing are benefiting the bestials upstairs, right? Like they could, they have fodder for experiments and they probably, there's probably some economic reason or something like that, that they keep the humans alive. Um, So the idea of just like, Thinking like, well, we're just going to eliminate that class seems kind of weird because like that I don't I feel like that wouldn't benefit them. But but if we are to believe the high evolutionary at, at face value, which I feel like we don't. But if we are to believe that, like I think we're kind of maybe supposed to like his whole ideal is sort of this kind of flawed idea that like he has the perfect view of what a perfect world should be and that bestials are that perfect world. And so like even if it doesn't really make sense 
in how it would affect society or like if it would actually function. I think it does make sense that like the final solution that he has, if he can't completely eliminate all humans for some reason, is to turn all the humans into bestials because in his mind, a planet full of bestials is a perfect world, even if like the actual nitty of gritty of that doesn't make sense. Like if he really is that deluded and like that obsessed with his own worldview, I think it makes sense for that to be something that he would think, even if it's flawed reasoning. Okay, I definitely hear that. And applying logic to somebody as fucked up ideologically as the high evolutionary is probably pointless. But in this same episode, we learn that the high evolutionary is willing to kill off the vast majority of humans. Like he doesn't care. So what's the point of spending any time, energy or resources turning them into the perfect citizens when he's completely comfortable just mass exterminating a bunch of humans like I, it doesn't line up but then why again, hasn't I, he just sent his machine men to just like kill every human already then because he clearly has that capability yeah it's it's very weird i think it complicates things i it it, it serves the purpose of bringing man wolf into the story which i think is beneficial for the themes of bestials versus humans and the things that make them not different like there's many many characters we've been introduced to that are meant to break down that division and this is one of them the backstory gets him there Mm -hmm. but it doesn't really fit into the larger established environment (laughs) yeah i think that's maybe a problem that i feel like we're starting to see with this show a little bit is that i think one thing that we praised it for and i still i stand behind that praise of the pilot is that like it was really smart about only giving us like just enough information that we need because mm-hmm. obviously going too deep into the world like there's going to expose some of like the weird details and problems with it and, you know in a world that is supposed to be kind of weird and comic booky and sci-fi and doesn't make a lot of sense um but as we're going through the show they seem to have a lot of interest into kind of exploring some of some of the weirdness of the world and and kind of um the more intricacies of it but like by doing that then they are exposing some of their own flaws and the weird details because they didn't set up the world to be something that you can dive very deeply into. And it would be okay to start diving into it now. Like that's why you have a a long, like a long form narrative is to do that. But when they do, they still don't, they still kind of seem to keep that mindset of like, well, we're just going to give them a little bit of information and we don't have to go too deeply into it in places where like they actually do need to go a little more deeply into it to explain things. Yeah. You know what I realized though? What would have fixed this in one in like changing literally two words of this whole story? Change high evolutionary to Sir Ram and it all makes sense. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. And we already saw that Sir Ram was the one that, well, I don't know if we saw Sir Ram in the flashback, but I do think if if he was captured by Sir Ram and was subjected to this, this would make more sense because then Sir Ram is creating a bunch of bestials as resources. Yeah, that's true. That's so that true. would actually make perfect sense. Oh, dang it. They just, just, it was right there. Because they just established <laughs> that in the last episode too. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. a little frustrating. Mm. <laughs> but, I mean, that just further illustrates what you're talking about, which is like the more they leave room for us to to dig into the details, the more some of those things fall apart. Yeah. Whoopsies. Yeah. <laughs> there's some, some cool stuff here, though. The, the implant is crazy. Oh, always cool stuff. The show is never not doing cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I love that, like, Naoko just kind of, they, they're smart about what, smart about this because Naoko references that she contacted, like, another scientist. Yeah. 
that specializes in like what, I don't know, like bio analysis or something like that. So she's, I don't know what she calls them, but another scientist that's like more specialized, specialized in this kind of stuff to like give her more information to help her essentially like make this uh, implant. So it's kind of cool that they're not just like, she's a doctor. She can just do it. Like, no, she's a good doctor, but like she also has her resources. And I feel like it's subtle, but I feel like it also kind of just like um, entrenches her a little more firmly into this world of being just like this point person to people with these really cool connections who's just yeah. like the helper of literally every human <laughs> in, yeah. in this world. It's so cool. She's incredible. She's so, she's so amazing. Do you think that had this show continued on and proven itself and been given a bit more room to breathe that that specialist would have ended up being a Connors? Oh, huh who specializes in whatever science applies to John transforming back and forth between a man wolf and a human. It would be cool. I mean, I imagine we're never going <laughs> to hear from that person again. So I'm happy no. to headcanon that because the thing that's, that's sort of weird is that we know that in their plans, they wanted to have like counter earth versions of characters that were like directly related to them. Yeah. Um, like there was supposed to be another Peter Parker. But they haven't really approached that, which I know that's sort of like a hard thing to approach. You have to kind of make a thing out of it. And they, I think they've sort of steered away from it by making the villains like you're not really sure if they're actually like the same. Like we, Vulture may be Adrian Toomes. We don't really know if he is or not. And they don't they don't establish it. And like that's yeah. fine. But I still would like to believe that is the case here, that there are counter-Earth versions of at least some people. So I'm happy with headcanoning that. And I kind of hope that maybe at some point before this before this season is over, we do actually see someone who was like a direct counter-Earth version of someone who's back on Earth. And actually, that just reminded me that I had a thought during this episode that I'm going to hold until we get to that moment. So All right. <laughs> let's move on to that conversation. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy to move move towards that moment because now I'm curious. So, <laughs> so Naoko's made this super cool device. Um, basically, it's a prototype, so it's not working properly, hence why he's still transforming. Spider-Man asks John how the revolutionaries would respond if they found out that he was part bestial. Insensitive. And John, he calls him an undercover bestial, like insensitive yeah. asshole. Like, well, I have two issues with on. this. I have, I have an issue with Spider-Man's behavior in asking, but I also don't like John's response because John insists that they can't learn of it, right? But John's story is that he was forced to be a bestial by bestials or the high evolutionary who is their enemy. So John's been tortured and turned into what they view as a monster, which I think would only gain him favor as long as what he was going through was under control. I, I, I think so. But judge, I mean, we see later in the episode that that's not that that isn't the case at all. Like, that's not yeah. the reaction. I think it makes I think it makes sense as sort of like a it's weird that Spider-Man brings that up. But I think for John, it makes sense as like a like a like a self-hatred or a self-loathing kind of thing, given that his experience has been like so super negative with bestials that like, oh, shit, I'm even part of them. And like, I hate myself now. Like, I get that a lot, actually. That's a good point. I guess I don't. Yeah, I shouldn't have an issue with him feeling that way because him feeling that way makes sense. I guess what I should say is, John, what the fuck? I don't agree with you and I want to smack you upside the head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think so but that's I th fine. In universe, yeah. it makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, it's interesting. It's an interesting little conflict that they have set up for him. So as they're discussing this, a number of machine men arrive outside to arrest Spider-Man. Apparently, there was a dude across the street who was in a full-on, decked out in a full-on chef's uniform, chef hat and everything, Ugh. who was just watching this entirely, th entire thing go down. And 
I mean, I feel like, like instead of, you know, being a nice guy and like being a neighbor to Naoko, you'd think she's probably like helps him out a bunch. Mm-hmm. But, you know, instead of like being a good person, he just like called the machine men <laughs> on them. Like, OK, asshole. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Spider-Man always has people who hate him. And I guess this is just that guy. It's just shitty because Spider-Man clearly has some connection to the clinic. I can't imagine nobody's ever spotted him there. Yeah. If he's there with Naoko, like you said, she does so much for the community. It can't be, I don't know. It just seems like it would be out of bounds, but whatever. Betrayed by the chef. Rude. I know. So John and Spider-Man end up exiting the clinic to confront the machine men, which is considerate. After unsuccessfully stopping those robots, an additional machine man arrives and calls off the group's attack on behalf of, as it says, the Knights of Wondegore. Spider-Man, of course, is like, well, shoot. Like, I don't remember what he says, but basically like, so are you good? Are you bad? Like, what's going on here? What do you want with us? And all the robots leave, and that one machine man reveals, I'm on your side because I'm actually X-51, and I've got new armor, and I'm the best. X-51, X-51, we X-51. Love He's the best robot stuff. So- much he's great he's my favorite yes Yes, he's cool yes he doesn't look as cool because he looks like all the other ones but it makes perfect sense because they're using him to fool the other machine men which i love i love how they use them it's so it's so clever i love i love how they use them and i love that they do it they they at least attempt to do it twice in this episode too so it's like (laughs) i i I love i don't know i just uh Ah, it's so good. This is not at all what I was expecting when I expected him to return. I fully expected yeah. him to just sort of like be at headquarters, being like a hacker or something. Uh, this is so much mm-hmm. better than that. Yeah, out in the field, man. You got a fucking cool ass robot who shoots shit. Mm-hmm. Like, have him in the fields, have him infiltrating. It's great. It's especially cool because I think they said they like pieced his new exo armor together, which means they probably are just like taking basically like body parts from machine men that they've destroyed or like fought with and like built up a new like Franken robot. It's amazing. (laughs) I love it so much. Yeah. Yeah. So later at the revolutionary's base, we see Bromley who is kind of like going through X 51's original memory archive. And he finds that there's this massive, massive power plant that is keeping the upper world operational, but it will poison half of the basement in just a few years because of the like radiation that's like leaking out into the city's water supply. So that sucks. Classic. Um, uh huh. And the power plant looks like a pyramid, like on top of a tower. It's strange. Very weird design. But after examining the security schematics, Karen, who is there, uh, always she often is just there um she she proposes to him and uh, and get who's also there silently that they enlist the help of spider-man to take the power plant down because he would be like perfect to get through all of like the security measures that they're listing all these crazy lasers and stuff like that so it's like we need somebody like spider-man and they're like i don't know spider-man doesn't seem to like us very much um but of course just then intruder alarm sounds they run to find spider-man john and x51 who have entered the base Intruder alarm fake out. Yeah, that was pointless. I don't know why that was necessary. Yeah, it was totally pointless. (laughs) I think, honestly, I think a lot of the stuff that they do at the base is just to, like, reintegrate Bromley and Git and Karen back into the show after, like, a few weeks of them not really being there in, like, a helpful operational way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, that's very true. So that's all I can really, really 
reason for those types of things happening. But what's more important, I think, is that when they meet up with Spider-Man John and X-51, John and Karen, it's clear, they're fucking. <laughs> As I said, they should be. Yeah. So there you go. have a very, very strong hug that they give each other. And it's commented on. Spider-Man's jelly. Yeah, Spider-Man says verbatim, hey, I found him. Where's my hug? Gross. Mm-hmm. Gross. Gross. As far as we know, you're a committed relationship. Gross. <laughs> yeah, the only redeeming quality is that if that comment is meant to be a hug from John Jameson. John. <laughs> See, that would be fine. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure that's not what they're going for. No. Exactly. So, so the revolutionaries share their plan with Spider-Man and propose that he helps them. But, you know, him being Spider-Man and him being stubborn, he refuses their plan. Karen, like, immediately calls him out for, like, not giving a shit about millions of innocent people. Um, and Spider-Man's just like that. That immediately is like a switch in him. He's just like, okay, well, now that you push it that, put it that way, I guess I'll help. And I think he literally says that when you put it that yeah. way. Like, what is yeah. wrong with your brain that you didn't consider that, sir? It's, I, I mean, it's, it's frustrating, but I do, th- I think that that is in character with how he's been set up in the conflict that he has, that he is so stubborn and so deep in like self-denial about what's going on because he knows deep in his heart that he should help. And if he helps, he is going to be there for a long time in a struggle that he might not win, that he's never, and, 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 and participating in a way that he's never participated in anything before. And I kind of understand why he wouldn't want to. Look, um, I'm not and saying it's bad writing. I'm not saying it's yeah. out of character. I just think he's being a shitty person. He is. He is. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's letting, he's letting that make turn him into a selfish person. And I get it. I think it's, I think that's a really smart conflict. It's a little bit daring because it makes him kind of unlikable, but I get it. And it's kind of relatable because it's just like, it's an issue that's so, big and it's just like i don't want to this is too much i can't do it and i don't want to think about how many people it's going to hurt because Mm -hmm. that's just going to make me want to do it and i know i don't want to do it yeah i guess my my only criticism of the writing which we've already mentioned is they could have made this clearer the whole time but really it is it is consistent i just like you said he's unlikable in these moments like i don't I, i don't empathize i don't sympathize i don't feel bad for him i get where he's coming from but it doesn't make me like him more to know that he's scared of this shit like of course you're scared of this shit but come on man like your whole mantra is with great power like get on it yeah it's a really (laughs) it's a really interesting ballsy move for for this show and it's again and something that i can see people kind of being turned off by because it's sort of like dang like spider-man's kind of a dick in this show And I and I I go kind of back and forth with if I appreciate what they're doing or not. I mean, well, I appreciate it if I like what they're doing or not because it is a little bit frustrating because it's sort of like yeah. But the thing I like about Peter Parker is that like despite all the shit that like gets handed to him and how badly things go, even if he maybe you know quits or or, or falters for a minute, he usually always does pretty quickly like spring right back to the great power with great responsibility thing where it's just sort of like, yeah, I still want to help people. That's still the best thing that I can do. So it does kind of suck that like it's taking him so long (laughs) to spring back to, to having responsibility again, you know? Yeah. And I don't know really where I land on it. I think I, I don't have massive issues like ideologically with him being in this position. It just makes him unlikable. And that's okay. If things were a little bit tighter getting there, yeah, because there are versions of Spider-Man that we've had that that are 
Peter Parker being intimidated by the the scope of the situation, you know, sort of the opposite of the MCU Spider-Man who wants to launch himself into space. Like we mm-hmm. have many versions of Spider-Man who doesn't want to do that. That's I actually like the points in this series where he says, I work alone because that's familiar. We've heard that before. That's how he's acted yeah. in the face of the Avengers and, and, and team situations. Right. So we've gotten both versions of that. I just, I don't know. There's something something slightly missing in this version of it that just makes him unlikable without the redeeming qualities that come with it. I don't think it's clear enough that he's scared. I think we know that that is probably the case. But yeah. all we all we get is him throwing his hands up and being like, "This isn't my thing." So we have to then yeah. insert all of the like emotional baggage that comes with that because we don't get any sort of flashbacks. We don't get any stories from Earth Prime. We're probably not allowed to, and yeah. that really hinders this probable fear that he has tackling uh, all this stuff. I don't think you're wrong about any of the reasoning. Um, I just think we, we haven't gotten it. (laughs) No, but you're right. I think, yeah, if they could throw in some flashback, if they did the thing that the nineties show does a little bit more where it's just kind of maybe reiterate or over explain a couple of things in some pieces in this, I think it might've worked a little bit better, but yeah, I think they're kind of constrained about that. And, and they're trying to do a little bit more of a mature take and, and, and letting – and they kind of seem to want us to fill in the blanks with some places, but they kind of take it a little too far sometimes where it just ends up uh, feeling a little bit too too much – like too much stuff has to be assumed. Yeah. He needs a Bruce to talk to, except in this case it probably would actually just need to be a real person so he can have like a mature relationship with them. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. He's, he's yeah. kind of avoiding those relationships. So that, that would be out of place, but – whatever yeah. yeah this is a weird thing that happens though Ooh, this is where my thought from earlier that i had to put a pin in comes up Lay it on actually me. so when they're traveling to the power plant um there's a whole little in- internal monologue that he has that reveals that the reason that's that he uh that spider-man like kind of his flip switched so hard as soon as karen started talking and and that pushed him to agree to this mission was that when karen called him out she reminded him of, of mary jane which is weird <laughs> it is very weird, and I don't like it. But here's the thing. I think an easy solution, you know, we were talking about how, like, we know that the idea originally was that Counter-Earth was going to have direct Counter-Earth versions of characters on Earth Prime. Yeah. And they haven't really done that, but we know that the, that the option was still out there. We have Karen, who is cool and a badass, but has, like, no personality other than like a person that Spider-Man sometimes flirts with and also has red hair and reminds him of Mary Jane. What if she was just the counter earth version of Mary Jane? Mm. Wouldn't that kind of solve a lot of problems though? Because that's a, a, a not, not like saying not like a conspiracy. Like what if she's been Mary Jane the whole time? But like if from the start when Spider-Man lands on counter earth, he meets the human revolutionaries and one of them is Mary Jane, who is a person yeah. that he's pining after that's going to give him more conflict because it's sort of like, I miss my Mary Jane, but then I also have this Mary Jane here. It sort of lends credence, even though it would still be kind of icky, it would lend credence to why he would be flirting with her and then would have to kind of check himself and be like, but it's not my Mary Jane. I have to stop myself from doing this. Would also add conflict for if she's fucking John, because then it's like, oh, that sucks that I'm seeing like the woman, I'm sort of seeing the face of the woman that I love fucking another guy. And like, there's a lot of conflict there and it immediately gives Karen or what would be Mary Jane more personality <laughs> just from simply being Mary Jane. You know what I mean? Well, I, yeah, I, I, 
I think that would be great if they were allowed to do what they were doing. And I think it explains, it doesn't excuse, but it explains why Karen has no personality. Because if what she was meant to be was Mary Jane, I can't imagine them not giving her more of a personality. I would think they would know better. (laughs) Yeah. So I wonder if there are things that they stripped out of Karen because it was too obvious that she was Mary Jane and ended up with this weird empty shell that they didn't refill with actual personality traits. Like, I don't know if that was ever on the table. I, I feel like they might, they would have brought that up in interviews if that was the case. I would think so. Um, so I don't know if that was ever a thought, but she's clearly like the fact that they're directly calling out that she reminds him of Mary Jane and she is like the only other redhead on the show. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, uh, it seems weirdly like it would just it seems like it would solve a lot of problems and it seems like it would have been a really easy way for conflict. But you're probably right, they probably weren't allowed to have Mary Jane as like a main character in that capacity regardless. But it would have been rights cool. issues. It would have been a really cool yeah. thing to do with Mary Jane as a character, uh, to have yeah. her be this integral figure in the human revolution. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I would have loved that version. I think that would have been great. Because otherwise, you know, we're stuck with an empty character that Spidey flirts with a lot and it's awkward and weird. Yep. So. Yep. Well, I want to believe then. <laughs> yeah. Makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But that, yeah, that is that is weird. I'm glad that you had that thought because it, it I can think about that instead of how weird it is in in reality. <laughs> yeah. Instead of him being like, she reminds me of Mary Jane. I want her to give me a hug. Well, please touch and- me, woman. That and the fact that her argument is, don't you give a shit about these millions of people? And he's like, oh, yeah, definitely. And then immediately is like, well, no, actually, I just agreed because you remind me of my girlfriend. Like, Oh, so wait, does that mean you didn't care that I brought up the millions of innocent people or what? Or you only listen because I'm hot like your girlfriend? Like, I don't know. I guess it's it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. It doesn't. But like, the implications are, are frustrating. It, yeah, yeah. It's nothing I haven't complained about some version of Peter before. <laughs> Yeah, that's very true. Very true. After that bizarre interaction, um, (laughs) they do arrive at the power plant and Bromley ends up cutting open the exterior of the building with just like, I guess, like a laser knife welding looking like thing. I don't know what that tool is called where you just like cut metal with fire, but it's cool. (laughs) Um, He does that. And then on top of that, he puts in a security code that opens like an interior door allowing them access. However, as is becoming the norm on this show, the group is immediately discovered, (laughs) (laughs) which is is totally normal. I mean, they should be immediately discovered, but they're immediately discovered by a group of machine men. And I love this. X-51 attempts to trick them again with the exact same line. And regardless of whether it makes any sense or regardless of how they present it, the machine men are just like, no, that's not happening again. (laughs) And they use like cute robot language to say it. And I love it and it doesn't work (laughs) and it's beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, I like that a lot. (laughs) So uh, after this firefight uh, is breaking out, John prompts Karen and Spider-Man to kind of break away from the group. Um, Spidey's like, that seems weird, but okay, I guess I have to do it. This is where the episode starts to fall apart for me. (sighs) Before it gets cool again. Yeah, the the plot the whole plot of this one is a little weak and weird. Um, I think and, one of the weaker contained plots of this entire series. Yeah, because it's literally just like a pretty meaningless like plot just to like use a couple of characters yeah. that they are clearly more interested in. They are way more interesting. You know, it's just it's just a way to have Man Wolf around and and then and then to introduce Electro. So like it's yeah. I think it's this a, is on par with like the 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 
background story, the B plot of the Git episode. Like what I cared about in the Git episode was Git, but then they had this whole mm-hmm. sort of like pointless Git from point A to point B to point C thing instead of just showing us Git. And I feel like that's what's happening here a little bit too. Mm-hmm. There, there are some cool bits in the like the fight sequence here right before they break away like there's a bit where like get like does that thing where he's like slides onto the ground but it's still like shooting from the yeah! ground it's badass this is and this is a weird thing there's a point when spidey like shoots his webbing but it's just like an actual like kind of net looking web rather than like the spaghetti webbing that he normally has yeah and i don't know i feel like the thing that I like about the spaghetti web, I, I do like that they use the the different type of webbing in this. The thing that I like about spaghetti webbing, it's like a particular kind of viscosity of, of webbing. I think we talked about it before. I think mm-hmm. this show does does the, like the the feel and texture, like how I would imagine it looking on screen. It does it really well, and it's consistent. Um, it's always consistent. It's, it's always really consistent. Yeah. So it is. It was. It's like it's cool that they do the kind of like old fashioned webbing kind, but it's not like my favorite because I really like the spaghetti webbing. It's like if they do, I don't know, if they do like the old fashioned kind of webbing. It's like it's like they're eating spaghetti without eggnog. Like it's fucking like weird. Like now in this show, like it doesn't really fit in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I kind of miss the spaghetti webbing when they don't do it, and it's kind of off putting because they've committed so hard to that being in everything. It's still cool. Yeah. And it's only for like a second for like a far away shot it's just kind of weird yeah no i get you i get you hello amazing friends we just like to take a minute to give a special thank you to our spectacular and up patrons Gemma nicole and katie and if you are interested in becoming a patron check us out on patreon at patreon.com slash walloping web snappers we have three different tiers that you can opt into the first of which is our one dollar tier where you get early access to episodes a bunch of Patreon-exclusive bonus episodes, such as our Spider-Bite mini-episodes. You get to participate in our Walloping Word Snappers interactive improv game, and you get your own random villain alter ego. If you join us at our spectacular level at $5, you will get all previous rewards, in addition to our monthly After Dark commentary episodes, a downloadable, high-quality poster of our logo art, a personal on-air shout-out on each episode we record while you're a patron, and a Twitter shout-out and Twitter and Instagram follow once you become a patron. And if you really love what we're doing and you want to be a part of it, you can join our amazing tier at $30, where... If you stick around at that amazing tier, you could guest on the episode. That's right. You could be on an episode of Walloping Web Snappers to talk about anything that you would like that is in the Spider-Man canon or mythos. So at the end of the day, it's you guys who lets us keep doing what we're doing. So thank you for that. No matter what level you're able to contribute or if you're just an avid listener who's stopping by, trust us, your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Thank you. Thanks. So this is where things, like I said, begin to get a little flimsy for me. Like I was on board with what they were doing as far as the let's take out this major source of power because it's it's destructive to our people. And on top of that, we can use this for leverage. I still like the idea of that. But then logistically, it gets weird because the three being John, Karen and Spider-Man fly away from the power plant that was identified as a power plant by Bromley to his allies in the comfort and protection of his own rebel base because it wasn't the power plant i don't understand but he doesn't didn't he say specifically that the pyramid looking thing was the power plant like when they were looking through the archives yes there's no reason for bromley to tell git and karen 
when Spider-Man isn't there as the originator of this discovered knowledge that the pyramid is a power plant if it's not a power plant. Yeah, it's real dumb. I don't like it. I was so confused when I watched right, this one the first because time what they too. do... So the reason Spider-Man doesn't love it is because he's like, well, wait a second. Aren't we supposed to all be doing this together? And John justifies it by basically saying like, well, this information about the power plant really being over here was need to know. But then doesn't that mean Bromley would have anticipated the fact that John wanted that to be need to know and then lied to his own allies before John even arrived to know that that was going to be the plan? Like John didn't even know anything about the power plant before deciding this was all like a big ruse. None of it makes sense. It's literally just a way to add an extra step to an episode. And I don't understand feels pretty fucking need to know to me like the logic that they're trying to push doesn't even make sense why would keeping spider-man out of the know that they're going through a diff that they're gonna have to make a pit stop to go to a different building why would like <laughs> that they that's only going to complicate things and he might refuse in the middle of it and spider-man appears to be the only one who doesn't know among the five main rebel characters because i think what they're trying to do is tell spider-man well no get and Bromley and the rebels are keeping the machine men busy over here at this building that isn't a power plant, which shouldn't be as important of a building while we go over here to the real power plant because they're distracted. Like it's all very, it's, it's overly complicated. They needed to have two plans that were of equal importance to pull this type of thing off so that they could pretend they were doing one thing that they weren't doing because that's what that's what Git and Bromley are supposed to be doing. I understand that. It just doesn't make sense to one keep Spider-Man out of the loop and then two dupe the audience into thinking that one of these things is a power plant when it's not because again, if you give it even a moment's thought, you realize like wait a second, you just lied to us for no reason. Like you lied to the audience about what this building was for literally no reason. Yeah, it's uh it's bad. It's dumb and bad. I don't like I don't say that off lately. That's it's it's no, dumb it's, and bad. <laughs> I no, it's it's bad. I, I don't think I think all of my criticism of the writing to this point has been like this could be tightened, this needed a bit more focus, this needed less focus, pacing is weird. It's rarely ever like the actual content or logistics of what's going on. It's like adjustments, right? This is just like actually a bad piece of plotting. Like it doesn't make any yep. sense. And yep. I hate, hate, yep. hate, hate, hate hate having characters lie to the audience in situations that make no sense just to fool the audience that that's the only explanation i can think mm-hmm. of for why they introduced the pyramid as a power plant in a scene yeah. we were watching it's pointless dramatic tension that's not needed because you already have the tension of john being the man wolf and knowing that inevitably that's going to come back at the worst possible time so like you don't need this added extra step of tension and if it's a heist there's tension built in that's what they're trying to pull off is a heist so just let it be a heist anyway that drove me nuts i don't understand it i hate it it's it's probably at the top of my list of things i hate about this series so far Yep. <laughs> it just be, simply because it's so unnecessary. It's such a big swing for a ball that was going like two miles an hour. It's so dumb. And it robs us of more time with like Electro and even like Man Wolf stuff, like the stuff that we want to see. Like this yeah. is just like this is like legit, like pad a weird kind of padding where it's just like this crazy, like overcomplicated stuff. It's the second drop off point. It's the same thing as the second oh drop off point. Yeah. <laughs> 
because it's like the least interesting thing in the ah. world and it doesn't add anything yeah if everything i want to see the sh- cool people i know that's uh, like i said the show is constantly doing cool things just do the cool things okay let's get back to the cool things so that not cool Please. anyway the trio ends up going to the actual power plant which is actually a power plant for whatever reason who cares <laughs> they arrive at the actual power plant we can put all that behind us because nothing at the quote original p- power plant matters anymore they end up at the power plant. John gives Spider-Man a tracer that he says is supposed to lead him to a master switch. This is the actual switch that's supposed to turn the power off to the upper world. Cool. I like this stuff. It's tactical. So while Spider-Man is supposed to be tracing this master switch, John and Karen are going to disguise themselves as workers at this power plant. They even do something that I've wanted them to do at certain points along the way, and they throw in one little line to make me understand why this works, they simply put on their helmets and their their counterfeit gear. And John says, "Remind me to thank Git for his excellent counterfeiting skills." Bam! Cool, yeah. great, love it, love that. Genuinely, not mm-hmm. kidding. Like it's it's the yeah. tiniest little screw tightening that we needed along the way. So all that, great. Love the fact that they're going in two different directions. Love that they're serving two different purposes. Love that there's like a tactical reason for it. And each one of these people is sort of being used in a particular way. Spider-Man's skills are being used in a particular way. Karen's skills are being used in a particular way. John's skills are being used in a particular way. Once this could they have just get been here, done I... in the in the first building. They could have still split off within the building right. and be like, okay, now let's enter this this entrance where we have to use our counterfeit stuff, and then and then they go in their tactical plan. Especially if they're hidden at the first part of. I mean, this is this is heist stuff. Especially if they're mm-hmm. hidden at the beginning. The firefight starts. Git and. Bromley are the focal points of the firefight on the first floor or whatever, and then they sneak away and do their thing. It all, it, yeah, it would have been fine because this, again, like I said, this is all good stuff that's tight. <laughs> they tightened these screws. So whatever. <laughs> so yep. Spider-Man does, in fact, find that master switch, and he finds it as they expected, which doesn't make sense because this is a totally different building guarded by a bunch of security drones with lasers and he makes his way to the switch almost successfully but doesn't anticipate the fact that the drones might have more than one optical sensor i believe is what we call them in this show Um, so it spots him and all these little like sort of flying mouse drone type things start firing at him which you know that's fine whatever i don't care yeah Similarly, as John and Karen make their way to their task, which is like get to the communications room, they are also discovered by security lasers. But these ones are a little easier to deal with. They're like mounted lasers, um, just like the hallway walls and ceilings. So John is able to sort of maneuver around and blast those security lasers before they can kind of destroy them. He does end up getting hit by one of the lasers, so he is injured. But we see that it makes sense the way they split up, right? Like... They can tackle the mounted lasers while Spider-Man tackles the flying ones. (laughs) Sure. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. So we get, I mean, we get a lot of cutting back and forth or whatever, but ultimately we go back to the room where Spidey is and he's able to fend off long enough these little drone laser mouse fly things by building one of his patent web shields. Love that he keeps using them. I absolutely love it. Consistency. It's great. He uses it to protect him from the drone's lasers while he types in a code that he says Bromley gave him. Um, and this is, like I said, the code that's meant to actually shut the power down to the city. And the power to the upper world is shut off, although I think we also see 
it shut off for like the humans below too. So Oops. like it's uh yeah, it's uh not great, but you know, that was their goal, right? Yeah. Before he can celebrate, Spider-Man is confronted by Probably the best or one of the best villains in the show so far, which is Counter-Earth's Electro. Who I did not even consider was an electric eel because I don't think he looks like an electric eel at all. Yeah, he, I, I, hmm, I can see it. I think he looks sort of like a salamander and an otter had a baby. I can sort of, yeah, I don't know. I can sort of see it being, yeah, you're right. Because, like, okay, body type makes sense because it's just, like, an eel with arms and legs. But the face is what's kind of weird because he has kind of, like, almost I, – I saw it as more kind of like a catfish type face because mm. he has the weird, like, whiskery mustache things. But okay. I can sort of see see you seeing it as an otter, though. Um, but I was thinking, like, catfish. I mean, if you're going to give a fish arms and legs, they're automatically going to start beginning to look more like a salamander or a lizard. So I yeah. guess it makes sense when I kind of, like, work backwards, right? Yeah. So I, I can get what I mean, it makes more sense for him to be an eel. I actually thought it was kind of cool that Electro wasn't something obvious. Like when I was imagining him being this weird amphibious, like otter like thing. But it does make a lot more sense for it to be an eel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's still I, so I love his design. Me too. I think it's so cool because it's like it's a nice way. It's a nice like hearkening back to the original Electro suit because it's the same color scheme, still green and yellow. And he still has like kind of the star pattern mask, yeah. but it's like a lot thinner. Mm-hmm. It doesn't explicitly look like the star thing. It's like a little bit thinner and like around like sunglasses because every character wears sunglasses on the show uh, for some reason. I do. I, I, I'm such a sucker <laughs> I like for them though. I like them. It's just, it's just weird that everyone wears them because they're the same like kind of circular sunglasses. It's, I know it's very unoriginal and uncreative, but I do love them. Yeah, it looks good on him, and he even yeah. has, like, an open-chested, like, vest that he wears with his suit. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. Um, He's it's dope. just It's I a great him. design. Great design. Like, that's what's kind of solidified my theory, though, that it's, like, if it's a villainous bestial, they're going to be, like, super bestial and super animal-like. If it's a good bestial, it's going to be, like, Vulture, and it's just a yeah. person, even if it should make more sense for them to be literally beast-like. This doesn't, yeah, this doesn't solve that problematic dynamic, but I want to believe that he is the way he is because he's more similar to, like, a fire drake than he is to other bestials. So that's why he's a bit more monstrous. That's probably why he has a superpower to begin with because we don't really get an explanation for that. And we do find out that he's, like, motivated by wanting to please Sir Ram. So... Yeah, his personality isn't like a normal person either. Like it's very um it's very over the top in a way that I like and he's talking about like it's my destiny, yeah. like destiny is calling. It's so cool. Like he's almost like religious in a weird way. Yeah. Um but like his religion is like the high evolutionary and like working for the Knights of Wondergore in the same way that you would be like um like a like a crusader, like an evangelical crusader trying to like get a get a place in God's court or whatever, you know? You know? I think that type of character was missing and we didn't necessarily realize it because we've been so skeptical of the high evolutionary and we also we've sort of been believing that especially lately that everybody else kind of is too so it's Mm -hmm. almost necessary for there to be some character who doesn't really have any power or authority to buy into it right like to be part of the cult yeah yeah I dig it he's so cool he's a great he's really great I kind of wish we'd seen more of him, but I'm also kind of okay if he's just kind of always a periphery villain, assuming he ever comes back. Uh, like, because yeah. 
he doesn't really need a backstory. Like I feel like the motivation you have for him is pretty simple. Mm-hmm. But but he's so fun. He's so and they use his power really well. He just looks cool with everything he's doing. I love him. He he's, flies. He's, he's my favorite. He's like a weird bestial eel salamander thing that flies around. Yeah. He's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I love him. He's great. He's great. Good job, show. Uh, and he has like a big, huge mouth, so he ends up having this like fangy, toothy smile just by talking. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Oh man, he they this, yeah. The show made Electro cool. <laughs> I know, right? That's the thing that's so funny is like Electro to me is so typically uncool that anytime they do anything remotely cool with him, like Amazing Spider-Man Two or uh, debatably the PS4 game, but he's not really that interesting there. He just looks cool. But even yeah. that is like enough for me to be like, wow, this is the coolest version ever. Like they just have to try <laughs> with Electro and I'm like sold. <laughs> yeah. So this is one of those moments actually that we have mentioned both as a result of happening and not happening and not really understanding the line that defines when it's allowed to happen. When Spider-Man sees this counter-Earth version of Electro, he calls him by name. He calls him Electro, which obviously is shocking to this version of Electro. (laughs) Shocking. Uh, (laughs) And we don't get any explanation because obviously the other times where Spider-Man has slipped up and done this, he's recognized I shouldn't say more. So he doesn't say Mm. more. But it's, it's enough for Electro to be like, excuse me? And then the two fight. Fight. <laughs> yep, it's a good fight too. They're uh, I love yeah. fight sequences in this episode are all pretty good. I could have watched a whole episode of those two fighting, to be quite honest. Uh yeah, yeah, it's awesome. It's back in the communications room. Karen begins to put uh, input a sequence that will transmit the revolutionaries' demands throughout the city. Meanwhile, John takes a disc from the nearby console, tucks it into. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Oh I, had, I had not I had not read this until I got to it. He tucks the disc next to his testicles. <laughs> I was relying on is, you live reading that. <laughs> just like Craven putting a picture of Firestar like by his dick. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong though? He tucks it directly into the front of his pants. Yep, 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 yep. I didn't even didn't even pick up on that. It's not it's not going into a pocket. It's not going into like uh, like fanny pack. It's going directly into his pants. What a weird place for like a di- a breakable compact disc. It's a terrible too. place. Like, come on. <laughs> it's a terrible place for something of that shape. And you're right. It's probably breakable. So are you trying <laughs> to cut your scrotum open? Oh my God. Oh, I can't. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, maybe he does because right after he tucks this disc into his pants, he passes out. <laughs> But it's from the laser disc, or not the laser disc. God, that would be huge. Not from, (laughs) it's not from the disc. It's from the laser injury he sustained earlier. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Everybody passing out from lasers. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Yeah, well, um, Spidey and Electro are continuing their very cool-ass battle, and Electro shares that his motivation, like we said, is uh, earning a place among the Knights of Wondergore, which is cool. I like I like that he just kind of spells it out, and he does it in a very eloquent, theatrical way. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. I love him. Yep. Then we cut back to the High Evolutionary, who I guess is really the first time we're seeing him like interact with... He's, we saw him briefly interact with Lord Tiger, and he was kind of in the shadows talking to Spider-Man. This is the first time, really, where it's just like him... Like, his actual head, like, not as, like, a holographic, like, representation talking to, like, another human. And he's just like, 
a dude, I guess. Um, <laughs> but he's uh, confronting Karen basically through Skype, essentially. So as they're sharing their threats back and forth, uh, Karen, who is like fully distracted by their whole conversation, I think that's where they reference that um, half of New York State is shut down, which is insane. I think <laughs> like that's that has that's to a be lot. a mistake, right? That they said state. It has to be city, right? Because that's got to cra- be. That's a ton. It's got to be. Unless in this world, Manhattan Island is its own state. <laughs> I mean, it could <laughs> I don't know. be. Yeah. But yeah, th- I think you're right, though, because I think this is where she basically says, like, if you don't if you don't meet our demands, we're keeping the city shut down. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Which uh, bold move, considering that also counts humans. But yeah, OK. Bold move, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, she's fully distracted by that. So while that's happening, John, who's kind of like crawled out of the room, who's like he's like. I thought he passed out, but then I guess he woke up still in pain or whatever. And that's because he crawls out of the room or whatever and then uh, and then transforms into Man-Wolf in the hall. I, it doesn't matter. I, Either way, he transforms into Man-Wolf. Yeah, I don't really know how he gets into the hall, but it's important that he's in the hall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because um, Karen doesn't see this happen. Mm-hmm. Um, shortly after, of course, he's now Man-Wolf. So he's got a rampage. And he uh, walks into the room and uh, attacks Karen, which... I think it's kind of funny, but cool and clever that Karen immediately recognizes that that's John. Like, she's like, <laughs> she I did know better than clothes. I did. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, no one wears that blue tank top and cargo pants like John does. <laughs> I've seen him rip it off before. I know exactly who that is. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. Mm. What do you um, What do you think of uh, of of a uh, I almost called him Wolfman. What do you think of Man Wolf's design? I like it. It's um I don't know if it super fits in with the general aesthetic of this show because it doesn't really employ mm. any of the ugliness that a lot of the more designed uh, antagonist or bestial characters have. But I like it. Um, it's I not. Do too. It doesn't like stick out like a sore thumb or anything. It's only like as I sort of examine it but i do like it i think it's like an attractive design i think it's done well it's very clean and it's classic but it's not it's not it's not boring you know what i mean yeah i would say the same that's the exact kind of um werewolf design that i that i prefer and like a lot so i'm I'm glad that they that they kind of just went full bore with mm-hmm. that yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's cool good. so both of the pairs end up converging the pairs being karen and Manwolf and spider-man and electro they end up in this weird area that kind of looks like a balcony overlooking some sort of like weird endless tech pit like you would expect in a Star Wars movie. And what ends up happening is Manwolf is distracted from what he's trying to do with Karen by the fact that Spider-Man and Electro are fighting like, I don't know, maybe a dozen yards away or whatever. Who knows? So he mm-hmm. ends up shifting his attention over to those two tries to tackle Spider-Man or just generally rampages over towards those two instead. So Karen's like kind of off the hook, which is nice. Yeah. So uh, with Man-Wolf closing in on one side and Electro closing on the other, (laughs) Spidey's kind of stuck in a uh, pretty bad place, but he figures out like a smash them together maneuver by uh, webbing Man-Wolf and tossing him right into Electro. It's like a twist on the, I'll just let them charge at each other. It's like, well, I'm not going to yeah. wait for them to charge at each other. I'm just going to throw them into each other. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, there's one bit. There's a cool shot. I don't 
it's it's either in this one or like right before this this sequence when uh Spidey's like going to kick Electro like in the face and it's a really brief shot that we see like Electro's glasses and it's Spidey like reflected into Ooh. his glasses coming towards Electro to kick him in the face. Eye it's stuff. really cool. We haven't talked about cool eye stuff in a while. Yeah, I don't feel like the show really does a lot of it. It's, it's well, sometimes you'll see stuff like reflected in Spider-Man's yeah. eyes, but there should be more of that to be honest because it's it's in, it's sort of communicated to us i think that his eyes are reflective yeah 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 it is like sometimes but you know obviously they can't animate that all the time because yeah. that would be ridiculous Whatever. But, <laughs> but yeah i wish they would could do it a little they would do it a little more yeah um but yeah it's a cool it's a cool shot i like it but yeah so uh, he webs man wolf to toss him into electro and that results in electro being pushed into like a siphon core or whatever i don't um, know they call it, it that it's an electricity thing that's all that matters electric stuff um, it matters as much as negative ions exactly it means as much as that exactly <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately this caused electro to overload oh. i hope he's not dead because it explodes poor electric baby I don't want him to see you. You had five minutes of screen time. Uh, need more. Come I back, know. please. <laughs> it does look like he's being sort of like sucked into it, though. Did you catch that? Yeah. Like he doesn't yeah. just doesn't just like smash up against it. It looks like he's being like absorbed into it. It's weird. Yeah. I'm it's nervous for him. I know. I want him forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do think um, I had I, I had a note for this, but I forgot the the way that that Spidey like has a brief explanation of John turning back into Man Wolf when he does is that like he says like shutting the power down caused like too many negative ions and like made him turn back into Man Wolf. Oh, really? Well, he does. He has because I wrote it down because it wow. was like a bizarre line because it's like why didn't you just say I thought just. He got shot by the laser and electrocuted the implant. and that, That's what I <laughs> assumed happened. <laughs> right. It also is weird to me, too. Like, this isn't a big deal because they, they, they didn't need to do it. But it's funny that they set up that, like, oh, electricity caused your implant to short out originally at the beginning of the episode. And then they have Electro, an electric-based villain, and an electric power plant. And none of those things apparently are caused the implant to short out this time. I'm telling you, <laughs> there was a part of my brain that was anticipating electricity being the solution although i guess in this case it would be the cause <laughs> of john yeah, jameson's it's... rampaging it's it's a match made in heaven or the comic book source material <laughs> i mean i guess if they're like subverting expectations it's just very weird that they uh... set all of that up and it was too could have been too perfect and they're just like nah it's negative ions <laughs> and then he uh, gets webbed up and that's enough like, yeah mm-hmm <laughs> Yeah, because they don't, they don't, I mean, what this results in, if, I mean, it's, it's fine and obvious to say it, it results in John being fine, uh, but they don't, they don't really explain anything really well as far as like why he's fine. Cause he, he ends up transfer, this is jumping ahead, but he ends up transforming back in like the cab of a vehicle. <laughs> like, that's like, well, the, I don't even understand why he passes out because what happens after, after the core that Electro is absorbed in overloads and explodes Man Wolf, who like isn't even like doesn't seem to be phased by this explosion just happening right next to him, right. passes at Spider Man. Spidey web cocoons him up, and then he just passes out mm-hmm. after being covered in webbing. Like I don't know why he passed out. Was no it like explanation. webbing dosed with a sleeping agent or something? No. <laughs> like it doesn't make sense. Hundred <laughs> percent confident that's not the case. <laughs> yeah, why did the electricity just strike him and? knock him out it was so it was right there (laughs) i don't know there's so many cooler things they could have they were already doing so many cool things maybe they were cool thinged out but they could have kept doing cool things 
it's so it's so weird. Uh, what a strange episode. <laughs> I don't know. I know there there are some high highs, but the lows are pretty pretty low. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah, you're right. He does. He passes out for pretty much no reason, and this does allow Karen and Spider Man to get him into that vehicle where, like I said, he transforms back into John in the cab of this vehicle. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Karen, Karen's reaction. <laughs> Karen's reaction is so weird. Because, like, I mean, this is really just a symptom of the same thing we've com- been complaining about, which is, like, not letting anything after the climax breathe. But what this results in is, like, Karen watches him transform back into John. And all she does is go, oh! And then it, like, right to either a commercial or just the next scene. That's she all was she does. Un- she was barely phased when she saw the man wolf originally. Uh-huh. But then when he turns back into John, the human, she's freaked out and scared. I think she was getting excited for potentially fucking that man wolf. And then was actually like shocked. Like, oh shit, he's back to John. Ugh. <laughs> It's like a it's like a Beauty and the Beast situation. It's just like I guess you're fine. The Beast oh, was gosh. I felt the Beast was way hotter, uh-huh. and I was clearly into him. But I guess the human will be okay. Yeah, I'm not even into Beast, but I agree. He's like an ugly <laughs> human. <laughs> 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 so yeah, maybe yeah, maybe it is a little bit of a Beauty and the Beast situation where like she didn't know until she saw, and then she saw and was like, oh man. <laughs> like I liked you better. Can we just permanently turn that implant off? <laughs> and this is where Karen turns into a villain. <laughs> hey, still more interesting than anything else we've really gotten with her. Uh-huh. You know, I think the most interesting thing we've gotten from Karen is in this episode when she's talking to the high evolutionary. I think that is actually the best Karen's been. That's true. Because That's she's true. she's she is zero percent intimidated by the high evolutionary presumably they've never interacted before and she is like has no qualms just giving it to him and like making her demands and she's the one who's inputting the code and like i mean i i actually think that's like karen at peak karen yeah yeah i mean she's just very capable and fearless um it's the naoko like karen that we wanted prior to getting this karen you know yeah the shit naoko would have done yeah She's she's proactive. She's never a damsel or anything in this episode. And she always I mean, she figures stuff out really quickly and she handles John the best that she can or she handled Manwolf the best that she can um, and isn't and isn't phased by him until he turns back into John. I think she <laughs> so, could handle Manwolf a little bit better. <laughs> I mean, there's a, uh, it's just oh. fucking stuff. <laughs> just talking about fucking yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, yes. Uh, yeah. Same here. The episode ends with uh, John, Karen, and Spider-Man <laughs> watching smoke rise over the destroyed power plant. So is New York permanently, like half of New York permanently without power now? I don't know because it's unclear as to whether or not they did anything to reverse what damage would have been done prior to more damage being done like it's weird because prior to the explosion they had full control over whether the power was on or off then the explosion happens and they have to leave in a hurry so presumably the power is still off i, I don't know <laughs> I, no I guess idea. the implication is that they can that now that since they're gone it can be re- paired or turned back on or whatever I but guess. yeah they blew up a big section of it as far as we know enough for them to be like far away and still see the smoke rising from the building yeah so like i didn't even think of that a little weird i don't know i mean this episode leaves off on a cliffhanger essentially kind of setting up the next one and this episode did like kind of carry over a little bit from the last episode so yeah 
Maybe we'll see the uh, uh, implications of this That'd next be cool. week. I don't know. That would I would be, cool. be really stoked if we watched the next episode and it turns out the power is still off. I mean, that, I I would I would applaud that for sure because I'm not yeah, expecting it. I don't it. know. I was preparing to just like rationalize it as they left and because they left, there was no opposition to turning the power back on. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen the next episode the next episode yet, no, so I'll hold out hope, but uh I don't know. It's uh it's a little weird. Mm-hmm. Also funny that they're just like outside the city, like looking on. <laughs> I just think that's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's watch from afar. <laughs> watch the place burn. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the perfect place to have a conversation about why you kept the fact that you're half bestial from your lover. Um, so that's what happens. <laughs> John yeah. basically is like, so, uh, Karen, uh, I'm so sorry. I don't even remember what he says, but something about the leader of the rebels, which, by the way, confirms that he's the leader of the rebels, which I know early on was a question. Yeah. So the leader of the rebels being part bestial, I think he just says, like, so I think we should talk about this. Karen actually, like, largely brushes it off. So we don't actually get definitive clarity or anything on what she does think. I think what we're meant to believe is that she doesn't actually care that much, but we don't know. It could pivot in the next episode. It could be something she holds on to, but I'm guessing that's not the case. I, yeah. I think she just recognizes that it was, that it's not like John's fault that he's like this and she's not going to like fault that's him for what it. I'm can saying, get details later. John, uh... I know it's not yeah. a writing problem, but John, the people who yeah. love you, love you, bruh. Yeah. Quit being yeah. such a bro. Uh, share your feelings. You should appreciate that maybe if your sex starts getting a little stale, you've got <laughs> Man Wolf right in your pocket and Karen is clearly into it. So could it be a, a, a boon? Right. Ask Naoko to put a switch on the next implant. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> Get some restraints. Anyway. Any of this podcast horny about Manwolf. Awesome. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, people probably know this by this point, but we record two of these episodes in a row, and we were loopy and tired at the beginning of the first one, and we're almost four <laughs> hours later, so if this wasn't going to turn into fucking werewolves, yep. you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It yep. just, it was always going to be fucking werewolves. Let's be real. Yep. Yep. Eh, you know, don't have to be uh, uh, tired and loopy for that, to be honest. Well, so. hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, Karen largely brushes this off. She chooses instead to focus on the fact that they succeeded in their mission. So the power is I off. Don't I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. She wants to focus on success, I guess. Whatever. Uh, they're not dead, so that's a success. John ends up pulling the disc out of his pants, gives it to Spider-Man, and <laughs> shares that we, – we didn't know this, by the way. So we're learning this yeah. while Spider-Man does. Shares that this disc contains the location of the ship that Spider-Man flew to counter Earth, which means both ships are still intact. But they've made it a, they made it clear that his ship was destroyed – but so I, I think we'll learn. I'm assuming we'll learn more explicitly next week. I'm assuming it's like the pieces of it and maybe they reconstructed it or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I just I want to know more about these ships, man. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. Weird episode. I liked it. 
a lot, actually, but it's weird and not great in a lot of ways. But I still liked it a lot. <laughs> I don't know if I would say I liked this one a lot, to be quite honest. I liked, I liked, I liked, uh, I liked elements of, I like many different disparate elements of the episode, but I think as a whole, the episode is kind of a mess. I think, but <laughs> yeah, so I think the thing about this show is overarchingly, I love so much about this show. I love the themes. I love the things it's choosing to tackle. I love a lot of the allegorical stuff. I love the weird sci-fi stuff. And every episode we've talked about has had some of that. So what it ends up boiling down to for me, and I, this is this is probably more of a discussion for episode 13 and not episode 8, but what I'm realizing is what these episodes boil down to for me is how much do the elements that I do like way against the things I don't like when the episode isn't necessarily super strong. Sometimes, like the Goblin episode, those elements outweigh what is like a weaker episode. This episode, for me, I don't think pulls that off. So it kind of, it's, yeah. it's sort of, for me, it's closer to, and I think I think where I'm going to put it actually illustrates this point perfectly. I think this episode is much closer on my eventual list to the Git episode, which is very low. And I think the way the reason I say that that illustrates that perfectly is I love, love, love the character of Git, and I love the backstory and what they were trying to do with it. So the fact that that episode is so low, and this one does cool stuff and ends up low, I think just like really demonstrates the weird aspect of this show that is constantly things I love and I'm frustrated by at the same time. Like it's just, yeah. it's a constant weighing of those two things. And generally yeah, speaking, I think so. Yeah. the stuff I love outweighs the stuff I don't love in a few instances like this one. It, it didn't. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I feel you. I just, I, I really, I was so pleasantly surprised by how much I liked Electro in this. Oh, like, I know that's the thing I love the most. Yeah. I think, I think the part that I think, and, and I think part of it was because I, I I just did not, I was so taken so floored by how fun he, he is, um in general and and you know man wolf's fucking awesome man wolf man wolf is great man wolf fucks like I I dig that um and I think those two things were enough for me um but there isn't a lot of depth to this episode at all like even you know even like the last episode which was also kind of a mess in a lot of ways. Yeah. Had a lot more depth to it, a lot more interesting things going on. This episode really doesn't have anything interesting going on. Mm-hmm. It's just the characters are fun and cool and hot. Yeah. Like, I think that's about it. Yeah, I think, um, well, I, yeah, the Electro <laughs> is like, is one of my favorite things to come out of the show. If not, I mean, it's, he's vying for top spot. I don't know if he's there, but he's vying for it for sure. Manwolf in this, I, I like Manwolf. I don't think it's enough the way that they do it in this episode to to push sure. it over the edge for me. And then the, just the fact that Electro is like literally like what four minutes of this episode? Like, I think it's like I think it is literally five and a half. No, you know what? Counting the end, I think it's maybe five minutes tops. <laughs> That's so crazy. Wild. What you crazy. know? We talked about last week's episode being emblematic of what this show is, and that's probably truer than this this week's episode. But just the sheer wildly high peaks and wildly low valleys that this episode has. Yeah. It's just so, it's so, if this show lasted longer, I, I would feel more comfortable saying like, it's just so quintessentially this show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, It's so weird. It's hard to say that though, because it's only 13 episodes. So like defining anything as being so this show is like kind of weird to do at any point, but it is. I think we have, we've, we've earned the right to do yeah. that at this point. We've though. talked about this show for how many nearly hours. 16 hours. Yeah. Which is 100% more so than far. any other human on the planet. 
<laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Totally, totally. And, you know, I, I think that these are also types of things that could have been kinks that would be worked out over time. Like, I think that if it had a second season, I could see a lot of the stuff they have lessons learned oh, from this season for that sure. they would have smoothed out and and been able to highlight the things that worked better because the things that work in this show work really, really, really mm-hmm. well. I have no doubt in my mind. If you are listening to these episodes because we are covering this show and haven't listened to other stuff we've done, all you have to do is go listen to our thoughts overall on the first season of the 90s show. I mean, that show had a lot of messy shit that they ended up addressing in future seasons. I have no reason to believe that this show wouldn't do the same. And I would actually argue that overarchingly, a lot of the stuff that this show is doing is stronger than what the first season of the 90s show was doing, which isn't to say it's better or tighter or better written necessarily, but it's bolder. It's, I think, doing things in a much weirder, wilder way that I can appreciate based on the swing but I, I have to imagine they would have worked kinks out, like you said, just in the same way that we talked about the 90s show doing it for its second season. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Weird show, man. Say that every episode. But this is such a weird show. I'm so glad <laughs> we're watching the show. I'm so glad it's the so show fun. is now in my brain. <laughs> it's so fun. It's so it's been so fun to break it down. And I'm going to be sad when we I know, finish it. Because when we finish the season, there's none of it left. Well, aside from a couple extra things we're gonna do for sure. Yeah, we do have we do have a couple spider bites that we're yeah. gonna that we're gonna get to to address some some extra extended universe yes. things that this show has. So, um, before you, that would be a perfect way to pivot to the Patreon plug, but I didn't talk about the face of the episode yet. For some reason we did the final thoughts oh, first. So damn had a perfect, uh, a perfect end for the first time ever. and can't even use it. Uh, 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 life uh. sucks. Uh, face of the episode is just man wolf. He makes, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's cool, but he also makes some goofy faces. Yeah. That I love. The the one that I highlighted was uh, I think he like s- sniffs out or hears Naoko uh, during his fight with Spider-Man at the very beginning. And it's just like a, such a cute, weird, funny face because like they don't like draw his full connected mouth. They just have like a little tiny like line for his lip at the front. Mm-hmm. And that in addition to like his funny like little eyes, it just makes it kind of adorable and goofy. Yeah, it's like a it's like a, a moment of realization. It's like more thoughtful than you would expect this rampaging wolf to have. And it's, you're yeah. right. It's like right before he turns around to lunge at her. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, great. It's so funny. <laughs> it's yeah. So good. Oh, man. <laughs> it's also a good shot just because it highlights the actual character model, which is hard to do at certain points when he's just sort of like constantly growling and gnashing and stuff. So yep. it's kind of cool to see that that head on head on model. Yeah. Uh, well, we wasted that transition, that perfect segue. <laughs> so and there's no way we could ever go yeah. back and edit it to make it work. It's impossible. <laughs> so I guess we're just going to have to awkwardly smash cut into promoting things. Guys, we're about to promote things. So get ready for us to promote things. I can't think of a more awkward way to promote things than to announce that we're about to do it. So that's <laughs> me doing that. <laughs> uh, plugs that we have include patreon.com slash walloping web snappers which is that place that we mentioned a couple minutes ago where you can find spider bites and extra content and all sorts of things that may or may not be related to spider-man that we just feel like talking about because we like um in addition to that you can find us individually Derek, where can people find you online and the things you do 
Sure thing. You can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find me on YouTube under my video essay series, Second Chance, which looks at bad and or divisive media from a positive lens. There is a whole slate of uh, episodes for the summer coming out. Um, It's a monthly series. You should be uh, if all goes well, we'd be getting one every month, uh, at least through August. Uh, so check me out there. What about you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at Ikibuli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. And if you like Pokemon stuff, you can find me on another podcast here on the 4-Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast where my co-host Kyle and I talk about Pokemon just as we feel like it. And if you would like more stuff from Walloping Web Snappers in general, just us on the internet, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Walloping Web Pod, or you can email us your thoughts about whatever you'd like at Walloping Web Snappers Podcast at gmail.com. We would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. But specifically, Apple Podcasts is the best place to do it because that's where people find most of their stuff. And it's the easiest place to rate and review. If you review our podcast, we will do a dramatic reading of it on the internet for all to see. So do that. It's fun. It gives us something to do. In the meantime, while we wait for those reviews... Wait with us for next week. God, everything is falling apart. The sky is falling. Next week, when we return to this show, along with a villain who also returns to the show, it's the goblin in an episode called Sustenance, something I've been unable to do on this podcast for four hours straight. Okay, bye. Nailed it. Ah, woo! <laughs>